We're going to be in Hosea chapter 4 and 5 today, page 752 in my Bible again, uh, like I was last week, if that helps you at all. But I wonder, have you ever gotten in an argument? Good, there's one perfect person in the room and just declared his imperfection. Uh, So I don't know who that was over there, but uh, Ben Stoltz maybe. Uh, (laughs) Oh no, somebody back there, Bruce Smiley. Uh, The perfect Bruce. So I'm not sure if you have, I'm confident you have, but today God is going to get into an argument uh, with the people of Israel. And not just an argument, in essence, he's bringing a lawsuit uh, against the people of Israel. And and when I talk to couples that are getting married and I talk to them about arguments and conflict, I always remind them, you're on the same team, that that if one of you wins and the other one loses, you both lose. And so identify the problem, and the problem is not your spouse, which sometimes we think it is, uh, but it's not. But in this case today... God is bringing an indictment against his bride, Israel, against his chosen people. He's bringing an indictment against them, a a lawsuit, an argument, a contention against them. And so, again, let me warn you that it'll be PG-13 today, uh, and it's going to be very tough. It's sort of the one-two, jab, jab, uppercut, jab, jab, uppercut. I'm just telling you. Uh, God is going to kind of hit sin uh, pretty difficult today. So now that you've hopefully found Hosea or you're a good reader and get on the screen, let me read Hosea 4, uh, 1 through 6 for us. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel. For the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. That's the understatement of the century. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds, and bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore the land mourns, and all who dwell in it languish. And also the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, and even the fish of the sea are taken away. Yet let no one contend, let none accuse, for with you is my contention, O priest. You shall stumble by day, the prophet also shall stumble with you by night, and I will destroy your mother. God's real serious now. People are destroyed for the lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. The rest of the chapter is more of that fun stuff. It's about the nation of Israel, the the people of God, the, the, the people that God made a covenant with, that they would be a blessing to all the earth. They would be a blessing to every nation, that, that God would remain faithful to them throughout all generations. These are the people that have forgotten about God. They have forgotten about the knowledge of the Lord. And so God has a, a contention, a controversy, an argument with them. It's, it's a lawsuit he's bringing against them, a case, like a case in court that he's bringing against his own people. 
And he has two charges against them. The first charge is that they're no longer carrying out the qualities that God desires of his people. God desires of them faithfulness. God desires of them steadfast love. God desires of them to have knowledge of who he is. That the same things he desires of us, that we would be faithful and steadfast in our love for him and our love for others. That we would be truthful and honest. That we would be caring for one another and caring in the things about, the things that God cares about. That we would pursue the knowledge of God. So these are the things that you've forgotten, you've forsaken, you've given up on. That's the first charge. The second charge is you've exchanged those things for qualities that God hates. These are the things that I'm against, God says. You've exchanged love and faithfulness. You've exchanged truth and knowledge for cursing, for profanity, for seeking to harm others by speaking a curse against them. By, by blatantly disregarding my law, and he sort of lists a couple of the Ten Commandments there, lying, swearing, murder, stealing, committing adultery. So it's like, you're nothing like the people that I've called you to be. And perhaps as you and I read that and we say, oh, I'm glad I'm not them. I wonder... If we were to do a little introspection and we were to ask ourselves, what are the things that I'm devoted to? Because that's the problem here. The nation of Israel has exchanged its devotion for the Lord to devotion of the, the gods of Baal to, to sex, drugs, and rock and roll sort of in a modern era. That's what they've done. And so what have we devoted ourselves to? What are we devoted to? Are we devoted to faithfulness? Are we devoted to love and care and grace? Are we devoted to, to living out what God calls us to live out through his word? Are we so self-absorbed that we may not be murdering people, but we've wounded their heart by what we've said to them. We may not be committing adultery, but if someone were to look at our web browser, they wouldn't be too excited, and neither would God. If they listen to our conversation outside of Sunday morning from 9.30 to 12.10-ish, what would our language be seasoned with? Because I, I want to encourage you, because I look at this Hosea passage, and I think, these people were terrible. No wonder God just wanted to get rid of them, because they were horrible. God loved them greatly, and he pursued them. We just read the greatest chapter in the Old Testament, chapter 3, last week, about how God is going to redeem them, because he loves them so much, and he loves us so much. Like, how could we go so wrong? How could they go so wrong? But this entire series is a reminder to us 
that, that how we live and what we devote ourselves to us reveals who and what we love. What we devote ourselves to, how we live our lives, it reveals who and what we love. 25 years ago, a pastor would have said, look at your checkbook and it'll tell me what we love. Today, we would say, look at your Venmo. Check your iCal or Outlook and you'll know what you love and the things that you're devoted to. Because there are consequences to our devotion, both positive and negative. When we're devoted to the right thing, there are great consequences. We get to experience the the steadfast love of God in return. We get to enjoy the fellowship with one another because we're living in harmony with each other. We, We get to live a life above reproach. We get to experience the power and the presence of God. But the consequence for the nation of Israel was so stark so real that God says the consequence for your sin, Israel, is that the land will mourn. Now, I don't understand that. Everyone will languish. Even the beasts of the fields and the birds of the heaven, even the fish are going to die because of your sin. Now, we have a dog and we have some fish at our house. And our fish don't care when the boys argue or when I get fussy with them, or I forget to help do the dishes, or say something not nice, our fish don't care. Those sunburst platies just want to be fed. And our lovely Bentley, that Wheaton Terrier, all he wants is attention. And so I don't understand how the beasts of the field and the birds and the, and the fish of the sea They all mourn. I don't understand that, but I know that when you and I are wrapped up in sin, there are dire consequences and there's mourning that's going to take place. Maybe you're mourning or maybe the people around you that you love the most. We mourning. And God just doesn't talk to the people of Israel. He has a strong word for the leaders of Israel. Because he calls out the priests who have ignored the law of God. That they've rejected the very thing that would show them how to live a life worthy of God. A life that would please God. The leaders have forsaken that. They've given up on it. They've turned away. They've exchanged the beauty and the glory of God for these immoral pagan rituals. And so every time you listen to the word of God that someone else speaks, whether that's somebody like me, a Sunday school teacher, a friend, somebody on TV or online, pay attention that they are focusing you on the word of God. There's a strong call for people who lead out. And if you're one of those folks that leads out in our church, then make sure that you're faithful to the word of, God, of the word of God. 
Because not only will you call your, cause your downfall and your stumbling, but you'll cause a whole lot other, a lot of others to, doubt, to stumble as well. That's the word he uses there. They're going to stumble with you because the people don't have knowledge of God. And because they don't have the knowledge of God, they look everywhere else. They look all over the place. When we don't share the truth of God's word, people look everywhere else for it. If you look down, it probably won't be on the screen, but if you listen carefully, this is what happens when we don't pay attention to the word of God. Here's what happens. My people inquire of a piece of wood and their walking staff gives them oracles. For a spirit of whoredom has led them astray and they have left their God to play the whore. They sacrifice on the top of mountains and they burn offerings on the hills under the oak, poplar, and terebinth because their shade is good. Therefore, your daughters play the whore and your brides commit adultery. What happens when we don't understand and know the word of God? We fall into what our modern world calls a new age movement. Pantheism, where we try to find God in every little speck and piece. We syncretize all these world religions into one and somehow find a way. Or... We go online and depending on your translation, you get all your wisdom from a gif or a jif, depending on which side of the coin you're on, on that pronunciation, or a meme. Or maybe you have a walking stick that you get all your wisdom from. This is from my great, great uncle EJ, who immigrated from Germany. And so what do we do? We talk to the stick. Oh, mighty stick. Hewn from the great black forest of Germany. Speak to me. Give me wisdom. Guide me. I hear you. You've gone on the the Swiss Alps You've covered the trails of Germany, Austria, Switzerland. May your point be careful, people. Guide me. We think this is just stupid, right? It'd be crazy to talk to this piece of wood. That's what they did, but we do the same thing. Ours is just usually digitized now. When we don't pay attention to the word of God, we'll listen to anything. And that's the nation of Israel's problem. They're listening to everyone. And in their adultery, God is going to punish them because they've forsaken the truth of God's word for a wooden stick. May that not be so of us, that we would remain committed to the word of God. And as Hosea continues to sort of ambush the nation of Israel. He keeps sort of the indictment going in chapter 5. We're, I, if you want some great light reading that will really encourage you, keep reading chapter 4. But let's jump ahead to chapter 5. He says, hear this, O priests. He's back to the priests again, the guys in charge. Hear this, O priests. And then 
Pay attention, O house of Israel. Oh, by the way, that's everybody. And then give ear, O house of the king. That's all the political leaders. So priests, the people, and the king. He repeats, hear this, pay attention, give ear. Those are all the same thing. When you see phrases like that repeated, there's something important coming. Give ear, for the, judge, for the judgment is for you. For you have been a snare at Mizpah, and a net spread upon, upon Tabor. And the revolters have gone deep into the slaughter, but I will discipline all of them. I know Ephraim and Israel is not hidden from me. For now, O Ephraim, you have played the whore. Israel is defiled. Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. For the spirit of whoredom is within them, and they know not the Lord. The pride of Israel testifies to his face. Israel and Ephraim shall stumble in his guilt. Judah also shall stumble with them. With their flocks and their herds, they shall go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. He has withdrawn from them. They have dealt faithlessly with the Lord, for they have borne alien children. Now the new moon shall devour them with their fields. This little passage here at the beginning is, is very poetic in the Hebrew text, the original it's, it's a rhyme. We like to rhyme. How now, brown cow? Uh, they do things in rhythm and parallelism. And so what Hosea does here is he gives them this threefold warning, right? Hear, pay attention, give ear. And then, because like uh, the wrath is coming, <laughs> you're going out to the woodshed. I'm taking you. And so then he says, you've You've prostituted yourself. You, you've been apostate to the things of God. And now it's impossible for you to repent. You cannot repent because of your apostasy, because you've walked away from God. It's impossible for you to repent, and you're going to stumble and fall. And then he repeats himself. He says, because it's impossible for you to repent... Because of your apostasy and your whoredom, punishment is coming. I will deal with the faithless people of Israel. And so if you haven't gotten anything out of the book of Hosea and you don't get anything out of the next three or four weeks while we're still in this exciting and fun-loving book, let me tell you this. God is never silent about our sin. God is never silent about our sin. And Hosea is chastising every person in the nation of Israel because everyone is guilty. Everyone is guilty of sin. And that's true of you and me. We're all guilty of sin. We're all big sinners. And so the joy in that is that neither none of us are better than the other. We all get to rest in the fact that Jesus Christ paid the penalty of our sin. He died on the cross for us so that we wouldn't endure the judgment, the ultimate judgment that God has. We get to rest from that judgment. But the consequence of our sin is real. And sometimes it takes an outside voice to wake us up, to, to get us to hear what God is saying to us. 
It reminds me of a time I was in a store and there was a young boy on the floor and he was throwing an all-out temper tantrum. I mean, like the whole, you know, hands and feet, I would demonstrate, but I'm kind of big. Uh, and, and he's just going to town. And the mom is, you know, like moms are, like, what do I do now? <laughs> Tired and just done. Well, this, I, I see it. This lady walks around the corner. She stops her buggy. She goes over to that little boy and says, Stop your crying, get up, and go to your mother. And she even, hand up, points him in the direction. As you might imagine, the young man was shocked. <laughs> so was the mom and everybody watching. And what did he do? He walked over to his mother and he stood there, and the lady walked off. Now, she might get arrested today, but... She was pointing out sin and helping that young man return to the person he needed to go to. Hosea, over and over and over and over again, is telling the nation of Israel, get your act together. And God is constantly reminding us Sometimes in a still, small voice, don't go there. Stop talking. Walk away. Go back to where you belong. And sometimes, he comes around the corner and grabs you and says, get up and go. Because God's desire is for you and I to be in a wonderful relationship that mirrors a perfect marriage. Where there's unconditional love and grace and mercy. Where there's affection. Where there's an understanding of one another. That's what God desires. And Hosea is trying to get the attention of his people to say, wake up, get your act together, please. Because the greatest indictment on the nation of Israel is actually found in verse 5, Hosea 5.5. 5. It says, the pride of Israel testifies to his face. Israel and Ephraim shall stumble in his guilt. Perhaps the greatest indictment on us when we're mired in sin is that what we say and what we do and how we look and act is an obvious representation of our heart. Our face mirrors our heart. Our words mirror our heart. Our actions are a testimony of my heart. And the pride and the arrogance and the unfaithfulness of Israel was visible in their face. Our actions are the testimony of our heart. And so what are your words like? What are your behaviors like? What's your devotion like? 
Do you call on the things of God and do you seek the things of God? Or are you like the nation of Israel, off talking to sticks? A friend of mine this week, actually when I was in Canada, he and I were chatting and I noticed on his index finger, it was black and blue. And I said, Hamish, he's Scottish, uh, Hamish, what happened? He goes, well, uh, I was putting two metal fence posts together. And when I did, I put them in together and they smashed together with my finger in between. We've all been there where we've done something like that. And he said, the funny thing about that story is my neighbor who's not a Christian, saw me right after it. And he said, Hamish, what did you say right after it happened? <laughs> Hamish didn't tell me what he said, and I didn't ask. Because <laughs> he's a godly man. And I'm confident that he held his tongue. But our heart pours forth in our mouth and our actions. And God is calling us to have a heart devoted to him. And so how you and I treat one another, how we approach God, what our response is when bad things happen to us, when things don't go our way, when we are hurt physically, like Hamish's finger, or emotionally, when, when there are other things consuming our time and energy and, and we just can't seem to get out of the chaos, when we're angry, when we're excited, when we're happy, what we say and what we do in every one of those moments testifies to our heart. And God is calling us to be faithful ones to have our heart turned to him because he takes sin very seriously. So seriously that he sent his own son to die so that you and I could be set free from it so that our hearts would be changed forever, that we would live brand new as new creations, not just once, not, not just in that moment where we experience the the weight lifted off when we accept Christ as our Savior, not just when we get baptized like we saw this morning at our 9.30 service, one of our preteens was baptized, not just when we're sitting in a worship service, no, but that we would be free each and every moment to experience the goodness and the greatness of God, that we would understand his power and his purpose in our life. And the nation of Israel, God is pursuing them like nobody's business to bring them back and they don't want to listen. And so I'm asking us today to listen. Ask him to change our heart that we wouldn't forget who he is and what he's done for us. That we would bend our will to his will. That's my prayer for us. So will you bow with me?